0: You're listening to Puma Podcast.
1: Today's Dark History episode includes graphic stories of war, violence, and death. So you might want to listen first before sharing it with any kids in your life.
2: Turn off the lights. Gather round. It's Halloween, and we're spending one night in Intramuros to hear some ghost stories.
1: Not the kind you might have told during sleepovers. But real horrors. And the real history that may have inspired these spooky tales. I'm Sab Schnabel, a historian, and I'm the biggest chicken when it comes to horror movies. But I'm also the biggest skeptic about ghosts.
2: And I'm Siege Tentenko Malolos, a history nerd. I grew up reading Nancy Drew stories where all the ghosts turned out to be crime syndicates. But a part of me
1: does want to see a ghost. Siege and I went on our first dark history tour together this September. Normally, history tours around Intramuros are held earlier in the day, but this one ran from late afternoon to early evening.
2: We didn't quite know what to expect, but we were definitely in good hands, with a guide behind one of Manila's most sought-after walking tours.
3: So my name is Benjamin Kanapi, and I'm the head tour guide of Wander Manila. On behalf of our group, thank you very much for being here. Welcome to One Night in Intramuros. This is a dark history tour of the walled city of Intermuros. So this is not your typical tour that we stand in front, for example, this one, and talk about Baroque architecture, Ionic pillars, and so on and so forth. We're going to be talking about darker, more violent stories in this tour. It's not specifically a ghost tour. It's a dark history tour, although we will be talking about a few ghost stories here and there. But first of all,
2: Why are we like this? Why do we seek out horrors?
3: Filipinos are totally in love with getting scared. Proof of that is in the amount of media that's available to us. Most of us grew up watching Regal Shocker or Okatokat or Magandang Gabibayan, Halloween edition. The one time per year that Nolly De Castro will wear more makeup than usual. It is not the Metro Manila Festival if we do not have a horror movie as part of that festival during the Christmas season. The one aspect where this love for everything horror and suspense and thrillers intersects with what we're doing here, which is talking about historical and heritage stuff, is there's a belief that places with history, places with age, have so many stories to tell. And as far as Metro Manila is concerned, nothing has more history...
1: We'll be talking about a lot of horror in this episode, and a lot of it happened in what is arguably the most horrifying event in our history.
2: The Battle of Manila, which began in February 1945 and raged on for several weeks.
1: It's important to understand the context of when this was during the war.
2: See, this wasn't the beginning of the war. It was the end, when the Japanese already knew that they were losing. They were ordered to retreat.
1: Unfortunately, if the Japanese soldiers were to go down, they were going to take down as many Filipinos as they could with them.
2: The Americans were coming, and the Japanese were going full scorched earth.
1: And so Japanese soldiers set fire to the beautiful city that was once called the Paris of the East and began massacring the Filipinos who lived in it.
2: The chaos and fear was unimaginable. No matter where you turned, there was violence in the streets.
3: So you're now standing in front of the Memorial Manila 1945. This memorial was actually unveiled in this location back in 1995 to commemorate the lives lost during the battle of manila an estimated hundred thousand civilians the battle of manila was a battle wage between american soldiers who were more than motivated to defeat the japanese occupying it and against the japanese soldiers around 14 16000 of them that were still holding on to manila prepared to defend it to the death whether that was a good idea or not it starts off very well for the americans because while the japanese were prepared for the americans to arrive the americans Basically still take them by surprise because of the ferocity and the amount of things the strongest vehicles were the Vanguard basically. Because of the tactic, the Americans recaptured key districts and locations in Manila, including the University of Santo Tomas, which was very important to the Americans because the Americans knew that it was being used as a concentration camp. Now, after that very fast first three days for the Americans, the battle slows down to a crawl. Basically, it becomes um, street per street, and corner per corner, or even house per house. And in certain locations, like the Philippine General Hospital, it was literally floor per floor. First day, first floor. Second day, second floor. Tapos uli mo yung Amerikano, then the Japanese will take the first floor, tapos uli and so on and so forth. Why? Because being severely outnumbered, had to resort to every single guerrilla tactic available now the americans were not exactly fresh no they didn't just land in manila and started attacking they were campaigning in along the country for around six months they were running out of animation and supplies as well so they made the decision to start bombarding manila with artillery howitzers, cannon fire and all of that which resulted in the destruction of around 60 percent of manila the japanese somewhere between fighting the americans and running away for their lives was ordered to kill and massacre as many civilians as they could. In fact, most of it, most of the massacres happened between February 9 to 13, 1945. The period of time is now referred to as the Manila massacres.
1: Even though he does believe in ghosts, Ben says he doesn't believe in all ghost stories. As a history enthusiast, He prefers to do research. But when a ghost story lines up with the history of a place, that's when he starts to believe.
2: One of our first stops was in front of the San Ignacio Church, where Ben told us about his friend who could sense spirits.
3: Example, this corner here of the mission house, my family saw around a dozen Filipino men kneeling down as if they were blindfolded, as if their hands were tied behind their backs. And there was a weird energy, almost malevolent, angry, that was revolving around them. Now before my friend could define anything else that she was seeing, she suddenly lurched forward and fell down. When we picked her up, we asked her if she was okay, what happened to her. And then she basically tells us, can we go somewhere else? Then I'll tell you. Okay, so we go to the next block. And then she tells us, while she was talking about that, somebody hit her in the back of the head. Upon doing research in the area, we do know that around 20 bodies were found in front of this area. We don't necessarily.
2: We wondered, why was there no marker talking about the massacre?
3: Uh, And the bodies were found after 1945, which would make them massacre victims. So you would think, massacre victims, why aren't they listed? Why isn't the San Ignacio Church listed as a massacre site? Because 20 bodies is too little.
1: That's how many massacres took place during the Battle of Manila.
3: When the Japanese found out that the hospital was treating American soldiers, they stormed the hospital and killed over 100 doctors nurses and patients. Then they dumped all the bodies into the ravine beside the hospital. By the time the last few bullets and artillery shells were fired onto what we now call the National Museum of Archaeology and the National Museum of um, Natural Science because those were the last times of the Japanese. On March 3, 1945, over 100,000 Filipino civilians were killed. When we say that the dead were blanketing the streets, that is not overstating it. It got in so bad that black spots could be seen in aerial photography of Manila, taken immediately after the war. The cluster of flies can be seen in aerial photography, basically.
2: Going from place to place, you realize that the areas of different massacres are all such a short distance from each other.
1: It makes sense when you remember that back in the Spanish occupation— All of Manila was inside Intramuros. Many important churches, schools, and government offices were built within this small area. Some of those structures remained after Manila expanded
2: its borders, and more would be built even after the war. Like our next stop, way on the other side of Intramuros.
1: It was already dark when we got to the Lyceum of the Philippines University. It's one of several colleges inside the walls of Intramuros, including Mapua University and Colegio de San Juan de Letran.
3: Students, teachers, faculty, staff will attest to have seen this phenomenon at least like once. The most popular ghost story that the museum has is basically nurses covered in blood running down the corridors. Specifically nurses, okay? Now, I actually... Kind of believe, or at the very least plausible, the story. Why? Because if they said students or teachers running down the aisles, that's expected, because it's a school. But nurses, that's kind of specific. And before any of you ask, no, there's no nursing courses. No, the nurses have something to do with what this place was. So, this, before this was like the Lyceum of the Philippines, this was the San Juan de Dios Hospital. It's the oldest hospital in the Philippines. It is now located along Ross Boulevard Corner, Edsa beside the Department of Foreign Affairs building. But back then, before 1945, it was here. It has been in this location since 1578. So yes, this hospital was functional during 1945, during the events of the battle. This hospital is also a massacre site because a number of doctors and nurses and patients were also killed here. And then the survivors were rounded up and brought to the ruins of the Santo Domingo Church. And then, Cotegra the was when the Americans started their bombardment of Intramuros on February 16, the areas closest to that bombardment were the first to be destroyed. So, everything that you're seeing here was basically wiped out. My dad, who studied in Mapua, tells us that back then there was no wall because the wall was destroyed. So, yes, the San Juan de Dios Hospital was absolutely destroyed during the Battle of Manila. So, now that you know that this was a hospital, and now that you know the history, The story of ghostly nurses running down the corridors makes a little bit more sense.
2: In some cases, these stories are the only reminders left of what used to be in Intramuros before it was destroyed or just wore
1: away over time. Which makes the structures that remain standing even more important for remembering our history. A short distance away from Latran, Ben pointed out one section of the adobe walls at the perimeter of Intramuros.
2: From afar, it doesn't look any different from the rest of the walls surrounding the area. But they tell their own story when you look closer.
3: The construction of the walls of Intomo started around the 1580s and it lasted an approximately maybe a decade or so. Mostly because most of these stones, adobe, was sourced from various locations, most notably Guadalupe Makati. Now, adobe, while generally being a sturdy, dependable rock in, in, in plentiful supply in the area, is unfortunately highly absorbent and because it absorbs liquid it's a very you know it's very fertile ground for plants to grow into So you can totally see dito but there are moss and small plants here i have seen churches get destroyed because little trees grow in the middle of the stones it happens so because of the nature of adobe the walls of intermores are in a constant state of construction and reconstruction I'm pretty sure there are only very few areas dito that the rocks would trace back 400 years. In fact, and because of the Battle of Manila, most of the walls of Intramuros were torn down to begin with. And a lot of them were actually rebuilt as of 1981. So to see sections of the wall that are older than 1945 is actually quite rare. But the section is from 1945. And why do we know that? Because those holes and those marks that you're seeing in the walls are the marks of war. Those holes are from gunshots, those holes are from artillery barrages, and everything in between. And the reason we know that is the Americans actually breached into moros from the section near Lyceum. So they tore down that wall there, and they started crawling in. The soldiers and the tanks started rolling in from that point. The Japanese soldiers stationed in Letran and in other places had no choice but to engage the Americans in firefights in this general area. And that's it. Sections like this are important to our history and our heritage because it unequivocally links this area to that chapter of history. There is no denying it now because you're seeing this, because this exists.
2: Not everywhere had a tragic story attached to it.
1: Halfway through the tour, we stopped at a part of Intramuros right by the Pasig River. Unlike the churches and schools we passed by earlier, this one was hollowed out and surrounded by a construction safety net.
3: So, the structure in front of us is known by two names. During the American period, this was known as the Intendencia, and it was basically a mixed-use building um, servicing both public and private sector. But during the Spanish period, this was the aduana, or the customs house and it is basically the most important role that it's ever played okay now that aduana, the customs house cassette is basically symbol of the importance of trade and commerce in the history of panila i do want to add though that the structure is being restored by the group of jared Lee right now and it is going to serve as the new home of the national archives and it is being restored properly the most prevalent ghost story uh, attached to the aduana is people will always claim to hear the laughter of children from these walls, okay? Sometimes, some people have attested to have seen floating lights inside the aduana also. I have had the privilege of touring one of the architects working on this project. So, one of the architects under Jared Lico's group. When their firm first entered the aduana to check it out, they got lost. And you're wondering, how can you get lost? You can see right through it, yes. They kept getting lost. They could not find the exit. The routes were, in their words, changing. Now, according to the psychics that I brought along here, the aduana kasi serves as a sort of catchment or a net that captures the souls of those who died in the Pasig River and that there are no permanent ghosts in the aduana. It's a transitory
2: area. So the aduana, a place a of transit and, and trade and exchange when it was alive, is now a transition place of the dead.
1: On through Plaza Roma and the Manila Cathedral, we made our way to Fort Santiago, which Ben calls the most haunted spot in Intramuros. Oh
3: my God, a big, uh, Sometime during the Battle of Manila, the Japanese started burning down the walled city. So the houses, which at the time were still made out of wood mostly, started catching fire easily. So in the chaos, the Japanese started herding a total of 1,400 men. They captured them, took them away, and dragged them all the way to Fort Santiago. Now, presumably, some of these men didn't even make it all the way here. Some of them were killed in other areas, like, I guess, on the Most likely, in Palacio de Goberna, there was part of that group that was dragged here. Generally speaking, the 1,400 people that were dragged to Fort Santiago were never seen again. So they were killed in pockets all around the area. So 40 bodies here, 50 bodies there, everywhere. That you could possibly kill people. You kill people here. That's why, for those who believe in this stuff, Fort Santiago is one of the more haunted areas of Intramuros.
1: Up until now, we visited historic structures in the middle of the urban community that Intramuros has become. You could pass by these churches and schools any day. But you'd have to plan your visit
2: to see this part of Intramuros. It's past the part of Fort Santiago that
1: we're all familiar with past the adobe walls and the moat. I don't believe in ghosts, but I do believe in the heaviness of history. And Fort Santiago is one of those places where you feel the weight of so many stories bearing down on you. It
2: was only fitting that we end our tour in one of the places in Intramuros with the most history.
3: We are right beside the Pasig River at this point the river is literally on the edge of that wall over there. Meaning that the section is constantly in an area where there is constant water. It's never going to leave. So, this chamber is always wet and damp and moist. Not exactly the conditions you would want when you're trying to keep gunpowder dry. So, eventually, the Spaniards got around to building another structure that was above ground. And then, because sayang naman space, they turned it into a dungeon. Fast forward to the Japanese period. The Japanese used this structure to imprison their prisoners of war. Sounds really impressive when you say it like that, Prisoners of war! Except, the Japanese would actually kill anybody who they suspect would be a rebel or a guerrilla or somebody who's actually dangerous. They'd, they would just kill you out, right? There's no throwing you into prison, Saying you in your sources. They will just shoot you in the head. So, who actually gets imprisoned here? People who commit minor crimes and misdemeanors. So, what, how minor is minor? Okay, jaywalking. Selling contraband products. Not bowing low enough to the Japanese soldiers. Or failure to give your house or your car or your daughter to the Japanese when they asked you very nicely. Something to that effect. Now, the prison is only rated for a hundred prisoners at a time. That's the humane amount. So obviously, because the Japanese were not humane in the country during that period of time, there would be between 500 to 1,000 prisoners at a time. And as you can imagine, the death toll during the occupation alone was already quite high because of people dying from diseases or lack of food or even lack of oxygen.
2: The dungeons of Fort Santiago were one place the Battle of Manila didn't touch, but not for a good reason.
3: When the Battle of Manila started, it is most likely that the Japanese captors simply threw away the key. Whoever were in the dungeon were going to be left in the dungeon and they were going to die in the dungeon slowly. So the 600 bodies found there died due to starvation and lack of water and most likely due to diseases. But Before any of you think that that's a better way of dying than being shot in the head, let me show you otherwise. Imagine you with 599 other prisoners in pitch darkness, with no food and water, with the certainty that you are going to die. Imagine the waves of depression, of fear, of anger rolling around that general area. Imagine everybody going between, crying hysterically, raging against under their feet or just cowering in fear and imagine that 600 becoming 300 300 becoming 150 150 to 70 40 30 20 10 until there's only a handful of you left the weakest prisoners would probably have died within the first two to three days the americans only attacked and liberated fort santiago on february 24 1945 that is basically week four There were no survivors because they were too late.
2: I don't want to imagine, but it's true. It happened. Something so horrifying is real.
1: We still live in the legacy of the Battle of Manila. We need to face these stories because they are part of our stories. They might
2: be hard to tell and hard to hear. But they remind us that we are born
1: of survivors. We came from the people who survived this onslaught and came out stronger.
2: No matter how hard the horrors of war tried to erase the city from existence, we still managed to rebuild, to find a way back.
1: And how can you not love Manila more when you know the stories behind her scars? So after all that, what did people think of the tour? There were people of all ages and backgrounds, and we got to catch up with a few of them.
4: Hi, I'm Tam. Oh, no, okay. Hi, I'm
1: Laila. Lila and Tam were a mother and son who
2: showed up to get a unique cultural experience.
5: Um, so I wanted him to experience historical tours because earlier this year I went to Auschwitz oh,
4: wow. and
5: Birkenau. So I wanted him to, to go through it and then Maybe when I go back to, because one of our um, main offices are located in Krakow. So if I take him there, so at least he has an experience of how historical tours are like.
1: The most impactful stop for them? The dungeons.
5: The dungeon, yes. Because it will, while going to the dungeon, he asked me, why is it air-conditioned? <laughs> there is this cold air that went to him when papasok siya. And then I felt it too, but, but yeah, sabi niya, bakit air condition So that was his favorite part. <laughs> he likes ghost stories and dead horror films, so we watch yung mga hunting series before, and then yeah. so this one fits his bill. Right. Oh What's
2: your main takeaway from tonight, and what will you remember
6: moving mm-hmm. forward?
5: For, for me, personally, having gone through the tour in, in Auschwitz, parang, we're, we're really missing a lot. So the ruins are there. They parang, Not even a year after they were liberated, they put up the museum kagat. so they preserved everything. And it's a miss, because then the stories would be more impactful. And then you'd really feel what happened, as opposed to now where we're just seeing, parang glimpses of of things that that are happening but but there uh, i'm showing him the pictures kanina you can see the shoes of the people who were in and and it's a different feel you you feel na parang this this should not happen again and and it's it's just a different experience as as what we have it's more of now it's it's thanks to the storytelling of the guide as opposed to what you see even if you just go there alone it's haunting <laughs> I mean, it's more haunting than ghost stories
2: so. the remembrance there is automatic
5: yes and and they also imbued a lot of the learnings so so meaning um, what is being forgotten by, by the other people who are not in Poland at that time and, and the different stories also so
2: we only hope that more people learning about these stories will increase the demand for recognition of these events
1: and places. We also caught up with a few students.
4: I, I'm Ethan. Yeah, I'm from Pasi. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh,
1: a student?
4: Uh, uh, I'm working now. Yeah, yeah, part of the workforce. Previously a student. W- wanna go back to being a student. <laughs>
2: <laughs> when we asked Ethan what brought him to the one night in Intramuros tour, he said...
4: Well, it's really a different perspective for what's usually being taught in the classroom setting or what we usually see in the internet. It's nice that we have a tour guide to really like bring us around Intramuros and give us those different perspectives and what really, um, even if it's interesting, if it's uh, culturally, has a huge impact. It's somewhat sad, also really, right? Uh, it's really a tragic historic place. Uh, lots of. Things happened that were not really good, but at the same time, um, it's really a nice way for us to go back to and appreciate the history that this place has. Uh, I, I didn't learn it in school, those things that he told us, even though I'm from UP, um, it's a really h- historically relevant school. But
1: I, I, and they brought up some really interesting things they've picked up from venturing out into the historical places of Manila.
4: Well, definitely the, what Sir Benjamin told us at the end that when we see Manila, we think na basura, daming snatcher, ganon. But when you look at it, probably it's the most historically enriched place here in the metro. Um, so I want to let people know that that probably change their perspective na Manila is not this dirty place na maraming snatcher, na uh, maraming nang bubutas. <laughs> but it's really a place that if you want to revisit, a piece of history then it's a great place to well start or to do that yes this is a
7: very different experience from what we usually do which is just eating out at malls <laughs> uh yeah i really did learn a lot here and i didn't think that there was this much history that's been buried underground that we didn't know about and that wasn't taught in school and it was quite harrowing to learn about how much dark history is actually here in Fort Santiago. Uh, as an outsider, we, we we almost see this as just a tourist place, a very uh, scenic place to be in, to take pictures of, and to actually discover the hidden truths the other side behind of it. Winter yes, Motors. the <laughs> other side of the story is truly uh, eye-opening, and I I found a new appreciation of this place after this tour and i think that means a lot especially during this time where you learn random things off of tiktok or youtube <laughs> shorts and to actually experience it firsthand with a good uh, interpreter and explainer is, is like quite an experience to have yes
2: the people leaving the tour all said something to that effect that they didn't know that there was so much history to learn about right in our backyard.
7: I feel quite betrayed. Because nung elementary elementary, I was sa in Quiz B for history. <laughs> and the things that I've learned, of course, the civica in elementary, these are the subjects. I was betrayed because I didn't know this. I didn't appreciate the true beauty of Manila, itong Intramuros. And when we go to field trips here, it would be awkward man, to discuss those kind of things when you're a kid. But uh, now that I'm older and I have a new uh, understanding of this place, uh, I just find that uh, quite magical because to to actually learn new things at my current age.
1: Here's the thing, though. Even if you didn't learn all this in school, you can still seek out tours and books and all sorts of media about the history of the Philippines. There is plenty out there to discover.
2: Going on tours like this one is just the start.
6: Yeah, like I said, yun nga parang dami ko pa lang hindi alam. sa and as simple pure-blooded Filipinos kami. So and honestly, when I was younger, so masarap pa usay history na yung ma, ano magpiz nung no, ma, nung no ganon. Like
2: him. <laughs> Yun,
6: yung mga ganon so parang parang hindi ko to alam lahat but i kasi ang friend ko si architect so i know a lot about the infrastructures pero hindi ko siya alam yung mga integrity side of everything which is actually no, nakita ko nga yung yung pinaglalaban yung heritage ng fit ng ano yung pre-colonial and nung pre-spanish period yung lagi nang kino-comment na I got a much bigger overview of what it is kasi may pictures nga si Sir, eh, actually nagulat ako ng ganyan. So na-explain niya naman na totoo nga may glory days perunan nila even though yun-yun right now medyo
7: stigmatized.
6: Stigmatized siya kasi when I see the comments na yun nga na said ka pa pwedeng gumala sa Manila or ano bang history or culture you can get from Manila, nakita mo talaga people our age usually Diba? so parang hindi siya magandang example sa younger ones so right now I hope this can be on a bigger scale so you're helping naman thank you for that <laughs> so ano, kayo, did you enjoy enjoy that? Yeah, no? oh, <laughs> so, parang... i we enjoy slides parang actually did not want to dwell with sa ano. so ano parang so, yun nga yung okay. liberation of manila ang mga si sir like one sentence yun lang liberation of manila ito yung nangyari nakuha siya ni dugas macarthur yan talaga what he said pero other than that yung like the, even death, a chapter. the death tolls what di ko alam yun mm-hmm. yung mga ganun so it, it's nice to know talaga actually we should learn makit nga ba ito yung ano natin yung curriculum natin sa school so makes you think diba like deeper so we'll get there maybe hopefully in the near future sana. Yes. I think a lot of people are very interested in history and culture. Kasi nagugulat ako kasi dati medyo ano tayo diba yung colonial mentality. So right now actually, ang are din interested sa ano sa mga local brands, yung mga trying to uplift our our own image as Filipinos talaga.
1: this is why we study history, even dark history, to share the stories that might change how we see our city and our country.
2: Learning about this battle and how it ravaged our city speaks a lot to how we see Manila now. And
1: if you still see it as a confusing place with no center, that's because our center was destroyed in the Battle of Manila.
2: The ghosts and the stories of all these people who gave their lives live on as long as we remember them.
1: We'll give you a few moments to think about them. And when we come back, we'll catch up with Ben and talk about why he chooses to tell these stories. After the tour, we went with Ben to a restaurant nearby to decompress and to have a chat over a midnight snack. When did this tour start?
3: 2018, October 30, 2018. And at first it was supposed to be a free tour for the fan base of a local comic called Tese. but I made the mistake of announcing it, and I it just because, like, oh, no, look, I'm doing these activities for these people, people, maybe I can do it. Because I was still at that phase that I was just doing for one person, two persons at a time. I'll probably be like, five people per month. Ganun pa lang yung level ko. So I posted it, like just to attack attention, and then people started gravitating towards it. And then
1: it got so popular, he had to start charging.
3: And it still attacked like 70 people at a time. Which was the first time. And the you know, because I didn't have a speaker system and all of that. And, but all in all, people had a good time. So I promised, I promise, we will do this tour every Halloween from here on now.
1: But why does he do it?
3: About, you know, the we do it is because it shines a harsh light on the reality and, you know, the mistakes of the past. And I just basically...
1: That's one reason. But talking to Ben after the tour, it became clear that it's because he loves Manila. He does his tours
2: for the same reason we do this podcast.
1: Because the stories are too good
2: not to tell. Let's rewind to Ben's favorite part of the tour, where he led the group from Fort Santiago back out to Plaza Moriones.
3: I want you to be looking at the cathedral. That's what I want you to look at. Okay, so I want to end this tour with a vision of the past and the present of Manila. You are now looking at the Manila Cathedral from a distance, beautiful lit at night, framed by buildings that are not necessarily heritage, but more or less add to the ambience. Manila Cathedral is not lost in a sea of soulless buildings. The surrounding structures and the area and even the trees, complement it. And that is a vision of the present and the future that We wish for the city of Manila. Manila still has a lot of cultural and architectural treasures. It has so much to give to everybody. And the potential is there. But the first thing that we need to do more than anything else is to be aware that these so-called cultural treasures do exist. They exist in Intramuros. They exist in Binondo and San Nicolás and Tondo and Quiapo and Santa Cruz and Santa Ana and all of these places. There are so many things to discover in this misunderstood city. And yes, it is a chaotic, noisy, dirty, confusing city (laughs) filled with so many things that you may want (laughs) ordinarily run away from. But hidden in all of that is some of the most precious treasures that you can possibly find. Something you can be proud about. So my vision of the future of Manila is also the vision of the past and the present. I would love a city that honors its cultural treasures, that harkens back to what we once were, a city with greatness.
2: We've shared with you a few stories from the One Night in Intramuros tour, but we didn't share them all. Spoilers! They're not all stories of death either. There were stories from
1: other time periods that got quite scandalous. Others were about political rifts during the Spanish era or the complications of having to rebuild Manila after the war.
2: Little stories scattered across time that tell us there's way more to all these major historical
1: events. A human element. You'll just have to go on the tour yourself to hear them all. In this Cuento Corner, we want to end on some hopeful thoughts.
2: It's so important to remember the Battle of Manila,
1: even if it was horrifying because we are still affected by it. During the Battle of Manila, my grandfather was shot in the leg. His house was on fire and as he tried to put it out, Japanese soldiers shot him down. He was brought into a foxhole to hide and he survived. But a few inches to the left and there would be no sab to speak of.
2: I found a purple heart medal in an old jewelry box in my family's house once. I asked my mom about it and it turns out one of my forebears gave up his health and risked his future for his country. Decades
1: later, this war still touches us. All war ripples through the years and affects everything we take for granted.
2: So as hard as it is for us to take a look at these ghosts that haunt Indramuros, their stories still have so much to
1: tell us. Class dismissed. If you learned something new in this episode, share it with a friend. And if you love ghost stories, go on the One Night in Intramuros tour by Wander Manila. Check them out on social media to learn more. Curious who our next guests are? Subscribe to this
2: show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts to get sneak peeks on our upcoming episodes.
1: And let's stay connected. Follow WhatsApp on social media. Check out Instagram at history.rebooted or on Facebook.com historyrebooted. Or Twitter at History Rebooted. Once again,
2: I'm Siege Tantenko Malolos, Puma Podcast. I'm on social media at Siege the Day. That's C-E-E-J the Day because I think you should seize the day. You can also catch my other podcasts. 5 Minutes Lang is our show on adulting and practical life skills while
1: Go Hard Girls features amazing Pinay athletes. And I'm Sab Schnabel, Puma Podcast. I'm on Twitter at Sabrina Schnabel, that's S-C-H-N-A-B-E-L rhymes with cable you can also read more from me at journalism that's journalixm.com this episode of whatsapp araling panlipunan rebooted was produced
2: by nina toralba recorded in intramuros by freddy blanco and edited by Jose cedo editorial support by carl jo javier and art by Trix asilian